This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies alongside me. Coming out of his cage, it's Mitch Doyle. Good day, everybody. And doing just fine. Stale roots. Debatable, but yes. And our own Mr. Brightside. Uh, Dave, aka Mezzet underscore Ozil, is back for another guest hosting stint. How G'day. are you, Dave? Lovely to be here. Yep. Uh, it's been a while since we uh, last saw you at our previous podcast, five minutes ago. Yep. <laughs> yep. Lots, so, of, lots um, has changed. I got a coffee. Yep, you did. Congratulations. Well I done, drank all. A two hour old coffee. You did. That was exciting. Yep. Well done, all. Yep. Con- a lot's been happening. Uh, and, and we turned the footy on in the background. Poor old Warriors getting... Yeah, but this is this will be great when you said this next Tuesday. When yep. you're talking about the Warriors, it's, we're going to live call the last 30 seconds. Uh, breaking news, uh, the Warriors lose. <laughs> I'm calling it now. Um, we've just we've just done a podcast about hoodoos. And yeah, so we've just done an hour or so-ish about the Canberra hoodoo, so we thought we'd change it up and uh, talk about Canberra, Dave. Yeah, so the, the hoodoo ended in 2014 um, in Canberra. It was... I don't have the result in front of me, but it was a, it was a big win by the Dragons. And uh, Josh, uh, sorry, Brett Morris scored a hat trick. Uh, it was like just some dire shit because the the Raiders in 2014 were honestly of all the bad years the Raiders were in bad. 2014 is the worst. I think we we were talking about this off mic before we started recording, and I have a feeling Bungard might be right here. I think the first episode that we ever did was me giving Ricky a spray. Yeah, in like round five, 2015. So it might be you know it's around the same era. Oh, I'd say your spray worked wonders. Yeah, well, look, they made the, they made the prelim the next some, year. You take at least some of the credit. Right. Uh, 2014 wasn't that bad, Dave. You did beat the Premiers. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, there is that. You beat Melbourne as well. It's quite funny. Like, it's just, it's, 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 it, and it goes back to the hoodoo thing. It's like, like, every year, even when Canberra is shit, they seem to randomly turn up against they, a good They team always pull out at least one result. Yeah, this is why, even before my... Actually, I've always watched eight games of rugby league a week, and I'm an idiot. But as a child, I always... Yes. The Raiders and the Cowboys, Warriors, other than the Broncos, those are the three teams I always watch, because like, Raiders are one of those teams like, you know, something could happen. Something could happen. happen. Yeah. Something yeah. is going to happen. They could lose by 70. Okay, could win by 60 or... But, but even if it's a dog shit game, something weird is going to happen. Someone's going to play the ball the wrong way. I feel like, that's, like <laughs> that's, that's, the way that the, that's the way the club should be advertising their membership, surely. Like, don't advertise it as a rugby league game. Just advertise it as an experience. Theatre. Yeah. An experience. <laughs> the yeah. excitement experience. The big billboard they have outside Raiders HQ, they usually put on it, like whoever the best player was from last year. It should just be pictures of a bunch of fans with their heads in their hands. <laughs> somebody lo- somebody lobbing great. a beer from <laughs> row eight. Oh, it's, it's uh, John Bateman's on it this year, so that really works. Oh, well, that went well. <laughs> Speaking of people with their heads in their Dugan hands. Dugan was on it the year that Dugan got sacked. Fergo was on it the year that Fergo got That's sacked. So it's, the Mad- so it's the Madden... Equivalent. You should, get, of, yeah. you should get the boys from that Dragons GST sign to come around and ransack <laughs> it, so you don't lose players who go on this <laughs> on the membership. But, but that game against the Dragons in 2014 was like uh, like a significant tipping point because after it, um, Ricky came out after it and and gave the team a big spray as Ricky used to do almost every week. <laughs> and <laughs> that got, was his thing. Or it was either a big spray or it was about 17 men who were hurting in there. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, he came out and gave him a big um big spray and like made this big point that uh, the Dragons at the time had a bunch of New South Wales players, had a bunch of guys that played for for various international teams, and and the, and the Raiders didn't. And he said it wasn't going to change until that happened. Well, Speaking I mean, of in Stuart, that, in, this that, is, in that hoodoo game, they had a bloke who who didn't know what what 
international team he wanted to play for, namely Nathan Fiend. So yeah, and this was this was peak Ricky getting fines all the time as well. I found an article from 2014. Canberra coach Ricky Stewart is looking ripe for another whopping NRL fine after launching into a five-minute spray at the referees who officiated his side's narrow loss to Penrith. I, Stewart I, lined up I, referees Gavin Badger and Grant Atkins right up in his crosshairs following the 26-20 result, describing their performances as shit, poor, <laughs> laughable, and rot. I love describing their performances as shit. <laughs> Stuart admitted he was emotionally upset for his players. Could you say 17 of them were hurting in there? 18, 18 were hurting, potentially. Um, this is one of those things. This period of Ricky Stewart, like, coaches very rarely get the chance to work their way out of a rut. Like, a player can go through a two- or three-year period of their career sucking and bounce back. But Ricky went up from the back of that 5-19 and 19 Parramatta season where he did the projector, where he poached, you know, an air quote Josh Papali before that season, and that got fixed by this point, to this season with Canberra where he came second last and won a spoon bowl with, against the Sharks three rounds to go. And, like, everybody in the rugby league world who wasn't a Raiders fan, and even lots of Raiders fans, thought Canberra were goddamn insane for, for bringing him back to the club. But, like, yeah. they couldn't be improving more right in the long run, obviously. But, like, he's so lucky that he was at the Raiders. Yeah. Because yeah. his coaching career would be over if he was anywhere yeah. but the Raiders in 2014. And, and the Raiders hadn't been... Like, it's not like the Raiders had been particularly remiss to get rid of people at that point. Because if I remember correctly, Dave Ferner got sacked, what, like, he, ten, 10 rounds into a... He was the first coach we sacked. Yeah. They, they like, he was an old boy, ex... Maybe not ex-captain, but a, a club legend. And they just... They weren't happy with him and they fobbed him off. Does anyone remember who they brought in after they sacked uh, Ferner to be uh, the interim coach? Andrew Duneman, another yeah. great Bob Lickman. <laughs> Legend, sorry, Good Lickman. club man. He, uh, he, he did sign with the Raiders at the very end of his career, Andrew Duneman. I think he played one game, one very unmemorable game. <laughs> yeah, so after that, when, um, when, when Ricky came in and, and they had that awful 2014 season, one of the things that Ricky uh, decided to do was that for years we would always promote from within. Like, you know, there was the great 2008 uh, Toyota Cup team that had, you know, Croker, Fenson... Justin Carney, the base god Justin Carney, um, and, and all of all of those guys. Um, the, the, the king of Seattle Cup, they called him, I think, for yeah. a while there. Yep. And, and just like all these guys that we would pull up through through those ranks. But the 2014 season is the year where the bringing up those guys through the ranks really was not working. Mm. Um, so we've got some of the, the best names of, uh, of the sort of last few years in NRL here, like uh, Matthew Allwood. Uh, Jeremy Hawkins. These are made up people. Uh, we've got a guy named Jake Foster. I think we might have signed him from the Bulldogs. We did. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Kyle O'Donnell, uh, Sammy Saluma, uh, Bill Tupo. Um, the back end of, of, what's his name, Joel Edwards' career. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Reese Robinson when he stopped being fast. Reese Robinson playing fullback as well. He was like sharing the role with Anthony Milford, which yep. is the, the very, one of the few bright lights that didn't last very long there. Mitch Cornish was another one there, yeah. um, and so at that point it was like, oh, okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, we're gonna sign our way out of it, yeah. and and the, the at least the start to that was absolutely brutal. Yeah, and so you did remarkably well by igniting that rebuild by signing James Tedesco. Oh yeah, I was that oh, excited. Dear. Like the Raiders tend to not sign anyone big ever. Like literally the biggest signing we'd had in the years before that was probably David Shillington. And like that was like, if you're That's getting if you're getting pretty, excited yeah. about David Shillington coming, and he had some great years with Raiders, he, well, yeah, he, but, he, footballer there, yeah. But like James Tedesco, like he he wasn't what he is now, but he was still like as exciting as hell. Yeah, he was you know one of the best prospects in the game. You know, any any fan with half a clue knew how good he was, and it was kind of like we felt there was that one thing that like when Ricky went there and we went to Para, there was this thing about, well, he's the Origin coach, he's going to bring 
some football people are going to come join him. Mm. And Tedesco happens, and it's like, oh shit, that people are going to yeah. actually come and play for Ricky. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. they were like, oh, there's there's like he. It, it was the first time I think in a while that the Raiders had had a coach that had draw, and it wasn't that people were going were not going to the Raiders to not play in Canberra. If you get me, yeah. They were going. They would have been going there to play for Ricky. We and thought that we yes. did. And so <laughs> this is this whole this, this. I'll just read a little bit of this, Dave. I'm sorry, it's very depressing, but it says Canberra coach Stewart has signaled a clean out of the struggling club, and Chief Executive Don Ferner indicated he was prepared to open the purse strings to lure top class talent. And Tedesco is unlikely to be the last, with Canterbury captain Michael Ennis and Penrith winger Josh Mansour all being linked to the Green Machine. Oh, I forgot about Ennis. Ennis one as well. Yeah, Jeez. so you got um, none of those players. Yeah, well, we were chasing Ennis. We were also chasing Farah. For a while, and there was this big thing of like, which which nine will I get in? Because just nine- like the Origin battle, who's yeah. getting the jersey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and they also so it was a, reportedly a one point nine million dollar offer over three years. Um, they were, the club was obviously stoked, and um, another pay one, Kevin, a year at this point. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Proctor was another one they got really close to signing, but he at the last minute stuck with the storm. Not really as a not really as high profile as those other guys, but still interesting. Just sort of how many guys that they were linked to. He, he would have been a huge upgrade. Oh, for like, sure, mm-hmm. he was a good player, but like obviously just not the quality of those other guys. And then who was the uh, the other player they signed that didn't go there? There's one more, isn't there? Don't oh no, we're talking so. about Mansell. He didn't sign. Yeah, but yeah. yeah the, I have the, the Mansell conversation. That you know, off the record conversation kind of thing. But I, what I'd heard is that he he, God, he, does, he cries in front of Gus Gould. It seems all all the, all the time. But he he went to Gus with his offer that that Canberra gave him, and Gus got closest to it, and he agreed to stay. He didn't want to leave. Then he calls Ricky, and Ricky whacks another hundred k a year on the offer. <laughs> He's like. Well, what you put on, the more you get back. But this, yep. yeah, that's it. But it's like that's what like Ricky was really trying at that point to make a statement with that team and make statement signings, and he tried it with Tedesco, and he got he thought he got it. Tried it mm. went, went after Ennis, Proctor, Mansour. I was excited was, about Mansour, like like yeah. when when it looked like that was going to happen. Like he was one of the best wingers in the competition at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and we had Bill Trupo playing for it. Yes, but yes. sadly, it was in an Abbotsford cafe when James Sesco broke down in tears over leaving the West Tigers and then decided to stay. Um, <laughs> uh, lo- he's a loyal man, that James Sesco. I've always said that about known, him. Known for his loyalty. <laughs> so apparently, um, Tedesco travelled to um, Farrah's home in the Inner West and the two talked for a while. Over grabbed a, a coffee. chicken and chips, I'm assuming. Not at Like a Tiger, I don't believe. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, he was worried about the backlash and what people were going to think. And I just said at the end of the day, he had to make a decision that makes James Tedesco happy, not Robbie Farrow or anyone else. I told him if he was serious that we should chat tomorrow. And they did. And then he uh, decided to not go to Canberra, Dave. And what was that? I, I, I hate to dredge it up for you, but obviously, given that you're here and we're talking about it, what? how do you react to that? Like, the, your, your, your club had one of the greatest, one of the, probably the, I guess... Probably for, in most people's minds, the best young player in the game at that point, or yeah. like was going. Everyone was everyone was so high on James Tedesco at that point, mm. and you guys had him. Yeah, and then he got taken away. It 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 was brutal because like like it was such a dog shit season, and and it was like oh here's that that ray of hope, and because like uh, like the Raiders are not viewed as like a particularly good club, but up, up until 2014, we'd made the finals at least every second year going back to like 2002 or something like that, like. It, it, it seemed that like we'd have that one good year, we'd have the off year, but then it'll come around again next year. But like 2013 was an awful year. 2014 was a worse year. And it's like, oh, okay, here's the hope, here's the hope, gone. I actually disagree. 2014 was a great year. But um, I'm with also, you, it, I think when we see this point here too, like they had just lost Anthony Milford, who, every, okay, say so what you want about him now. But, but at Milf- the time, was, yeah. He, well, he, he was the best prospect in the game, he was considered as it. So they lost him back to Brisbane. 
And there is like no better consolation prize than literally a better player. <laughs> yeah. James Tedesco. It was like, everyone's like, oh, okay, actually, we lost Milford. That really hurts. But hey, we got Tedesco, who yeah. probably better than him. Mm. Yeah. And, and like Milford was one of those guys as well that like he didn't, he only played sort of 20 ish games for the Raiders. But like he was, he was one of those people that when he got the ball and the Raiders were in any bit of space, people were like up off their feet. And because he'd been for the, since, for the Raiders since he was 17, I think, when he came down here mm. and that there was this thought that like, oh, if we keep this guy around, he could be, you know, 200 game player and he, he, he could, could be, be the next Mullins. Yeah. yeah. Um, he moved in that first season Milford did. Like he could never maintain the size he was to play first grade. He was too small his first year. Yeah. But he moves so well. He come off the bench a couple of games. Let's put him on the field, and he stepped people out of their goddamn boots. And a couple of the tries yeah. he scored that year, like who, who's he stand up on his first try at fullback? I can't remember. And the guy just collapses. When yeah. Milford steps in, but like that's the impact he was having at Canberra. And as you said, they he felt like one of Canberra's own, and that felt like mm. this is what the Canberra do. They yeah. put him in our own state, or whatever. And this like the Tedesco thing is, like, as you said, line in the sand. Canberra don't do that anymore. We do this now. And and yeah. it, the thing with Milford was like. That's what the Raiders had done in the glory days, that they had taken yeah. young, good players from Queensland who were playing in the comp up there and or, or, or from Sydney playing low grade and bring them down at a young age and let them mature and become brilliant players. Yeah. Well, so Laurie Daly was they, 19 in, in 1989. There's some, um, there's some, in, there's some <laughs> interesting quotes here from um, an un, a, a player manager who asked not to be named. Uh, it said that the player manager said that one of the Raiders' strengths had been the emphasis on junior development, citing the likes of Jared Croker, Edric Lee, and Sean Fenson as examples. He said players, when deciding which club to join, considered several factors, including the pathway into first grade, the coach, how competitive the side is, and the city itself. And he said, to get a kid out of Sydney, you're really asking him to step out of his comfort zone and go to a different environment altogether. All destinations have positives and negatives. And Canberra has some positive and negatives when giving information to players. If you get them in, make them happy, and keep team morale up, they're generally happy to stay as long as you can pay their money. Market value. Another a couple of other guys they were linked to in twenty fourteen that they also didn't get was Glenn Stewart and Tim Grant, who both signed for Seattle, uh, Curtis Rona and Clinton Gutherson. So a couple of guys there that I mean Glenn Stewart not so much now, but at Curtis Rona certainly not so much. No, yeah. but um, Clint Gutherson as well, another one that they were linked to and didn't get. So um, yeah, and in, 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 instead Dave, what we got was a, a very small article at the end of the year with not much fanfare, just about how they brought back. Um, Sia Soliola and Josh Hodgson, and um, and this was uh, this article had had such a little small amount of research go go into it that it still called Sia Soliola a center, yeah. who I'm pretty sure had been playing in the forward pack for about five years at this point. Yeah, I think he'd last played center in probably about 2010. Yeah, maybe. Um, That's it. They, but they lost right, so they lose Tedesco, and I think this is the moment. Like we know, again, they changed their culture of how they sign players, but this completely changed it that it was like well we can't even keep recruiting from the other clubs so no one's coming here now yeah well they all back they went they had this money went the whole off season and tried to get players and they could get nobody like in that off season you know lost Milford uh, which is not a big loss and there's a whole bunch of other players but Campisi went shortly after and the only games they really made they signed Sisawanga from the Storm as a big signing yeah Sia came back Frank Paul came from the Roosters Hodgson who no one had anything about came from Hull they took a they took a gamble on Austin who had a couple of the good sack games at the end of the season. Yeah. And they brought Sam Williams back another time. Elliot Whitehead too? Not tw- it was a year after. Year after, yeah. yeah. But that's it, that's what they made the signs they made that season. And no one was impressed. Like when that happens, yeah. you're not impressed, but you know, you look back and uh, out of that, the Soyola and the Hodgson signings obviously changed all the clubs. As you mentioned, Sia came back and no one gave a shit, but no. Sia yeah. was one of the huge mm. 
probably you know close to me for me the biggest signing for them in that period because what I've heard of him off the field is that like he's a massive part of keeping that group together. He's, yeah. he's a big part of the culture of the club now. Yeah, you're right, but, and, but it, and it's not just about keeping the group together; it's about kind of pulling the club in the right direction. Yeah, and connecting with the and like connecting with the city. So yeah. like it's huge like, for Canberra. Mate. Yeah. It has to be connected to the city. CS Oliola either one or two mornings a week uh, goes and works in a soup kitchen. Yeah, yeah like for a, a town like Canberra for that team. And for the, for, the, for the players and the team, you have to be part of the community. It's not like yeah. Sydney. Like, that team has 100%. to matter the community. And Sia gets that. Yep. Yeah. And it makes a big difference to everyone else around it because it makes other people get that when they go to it's, that club. It's the difference between, uh, and I know we're going off on a tangent here, but it's the difference between Adam Blake viewing having to referee wheelchair rugby as a punishment and Sia Soliola going to, going to a soup kitchen of his own volition. Like yeah. that's the difference. Great point. It's uh, it's all about connecting couple, with the, connecting with the community. A couple of other guys they signed there. They're obviously not there now, but they I I still would say that Sisawanga and uh, Blake Austin and maybe Frank Paul as well. I'd still say you could call them successful signings. Frank Paul is the dumbest player in rugby league. Oh, for sure. We have he, to remember. Oh, well, oh, hey, Liam Knight exists. <laughs> as does yeah. Hudson Young. Oh, so yeah, Frank, Frank Paul's last moment for the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, it was no, the last I, game he played. Was yeah. that game at home against the Titans? We're winning the game. Oh, this. Yeah. Um, and he pushes the guy in the back after we <laughs> kick the ball off. Yep. He pushes the guy twenty meters off the ball in the in the back. They got the other end and score. Yep. And yeah, beat us in golden genius at the end of the game. A dumb dumb man. But yeah, so that, that's not a Bat, like that, as you said, that, that that signing list at the time was largely panned or like basically just dismissed by people. But that was part. Almost all of say. them, almost all of them, turned out to be net gains for yeah. the club. But that's yeah. what that's what the Raiders started doing from then. They had to go. They couldn't fish in the same spot everyone else was fishing because it wasn't working. And people started buying into that dumb thing that no one wants to go to Canberra. So they they cast a cast a wider net. And most of their signings were unheralded because nobody even knew who the, who the fuck they signed. Like, yeah. no one knew who Josh Hodgson was and we'd actually written that off more as we spoke about this earlier when he ran through a goddamn door yeah. that off-season. Everyone's like, oh no, they signed some oh, they've signed lunatic an idiot. they've signed an idiot who yeah. ran through a door oh, he's going to come down there and just trash Canberra and get sent home. He's going to be confused by doors. That was over in New Zealand, right? He was playing for he was playing for um, England, England yeah. over yeah. in New Zealand and some uni kids invited a bunch of the English boys back to their dorm room after the game and he took the first thing he said yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first red flag. He went with some uni kids back to a dorm. Then he went like, through a goddamn door. <laughs> yeah. And as a Raiders fan, oh, after dear. Todd Carney, after Josh Dugan, after Blake Ferguson, you see uh, your new signing, who you don't really know much about, and bef- the first thing you actually really read about him is he ran through a door. You're like, there's, there's no chance this guy's going to play like, a game for uh, us, let alone anything else. I do like Good. you mentioned those guys, though, because I think that kind of also shows you guys stuck loyal to players who didn't treat the club or, or respect the loyalty they got often, yeah. very often. And that and the change, big change in your culture. And I think always a big change rugby league fans have to get their head around. It's like, you don't actually give a shit where players came from. Yes. Once mm. they start playing well for you, you don't give a single shit. And actually you kind of find it pretty cool that half your team's English, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, people need to stop caring where players came I'd from. I'd always find that funny. When when people paper. try to detract from the Roosters by saying, oh... No, none of them are Roosters Junior. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Who cares? The Roosters don't care. That's because it's the only thing you can say to detract from them. But yeah. Yeah. other clubs, you know, I'm sure the Raiders had some pride in developing their own, but pride means fuck all when you're playing grand Obviously, finals. Obviously, like yeah. you do, and you do love your homegrown players a little bit more than you, than the guys that you sign. Of course you do. But like at the same time, you know, South had a, for example, South had a homegrown centre in Bo Champion who was pretty good, but they went out and signed Greg Inglis, who's yeah. much better. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone would, 
uh, complain about that deal in hindsight. And I think no. I think as of this week, the last guy that was in our squad that was uh, Canberra born and bred was Kotrick, and he's now gone. Yeah, loyalty and before and before <laughs> and before that, it would have been Vaughan. Yeah, as well. Like they had those those players who you mentioned, Croker, Fensum, Carney. Like they were all country players. Obviously, Edric Lee had come down from Brisbane, but like he had been spotted at a young age, and like Canberra at that point just decided we we've got to stop being the country rugby league team. Yeah, yeah. it was different for Newcastle, who had kind of their own comp and they had grown juniors, and look how well that was going for them in 2016. But like Canberra had decided at that point. We it doesn't it does it can't matter where they're from anymore. Well, yeah. another big part of that change you mentioned that too, and I know a lot of Queenslanders go to Canberra, but not often mentioned is they lost a linkage up there with yeah, South Logan. With South, mm. they lost that linkage and they lost that extra uh, sorry stream of youth players, that w- which got them you know Josh Papali, Edric Lee, uh, Anthony Milford. Like, mm-hmm. They lost that pipeline after also seeing their own pipeline wasn't generating what it used to. Frankly, Lee, exactly. <laughs> there you go, another one. And that had to try and turn it around. In like twenty fifteen, that season, they weren't too bad. Like I know mm. they didn't make the finals; they finished tenth. But to go from, you know, their squad wasn't fantastic on paper, and they ended up winning, you know, ten games. You know, it wasn't too bad of a season for them. I mean, you know, they had some a couple of bad losses in there. They got, I think, they got thumped by the Warriors at one point. But you know, they, the team played performed pretty well. And guys like you know Blake Austin, you know, you had. You had Tigers fans losing their mind because they lost Blake Austin, and before people figured the dummy out, he scored fourteen tries that yeah. year. I mean, he scored games. eighty-five tries in the Super League this season. So, yeah. I, mean, like, I had mates at work when we signed uh, Austin, who were like laughing at me, like he threw money at this dud. And it, yeah, it didn't turn out so well for Austin in the end. But yeah, for that first year, when no one no one understood that he had one thing that he could do, but did it really well. Yeah, it was, and it was just like sick as watching him play. Like it was one of those guys that like you get so excited when he got the ball because like anything could happen. Hundred percent. And then you mentioned—I don't think we mentioned this yet—but they got forced into trying different things again with signings. Jordan Rapana isn't even on any signing sheet. No. Jordan How'd they get Jordan Rapana, but Dave? Jordan Rapana was playing ACT rugby. <laughs> like this is a good story. You're like right. He was playing like playing down at Viking Park in front of in front of two hundred and fifty pissed up idiots. Like and because he that is very club rugby. You're right. He, yeah. He, like you know he was he was a boom rocking himself at the old at the old Titans. Left off for his Mormon mission. Came back. And and sort of wasn't able to find his way back into footy. He was not doing anything. Came came to the, I think the Brumbies sort of said, yeah. if, you, if you come down here and um and playing club rugby for a bit, we'll we'll have a look at you. He'd he'd gone he'd gone down, and I think he was training with the Brumbies through the Super season, but he wasn't contracted. No. And then he was playing, he was playing for Royals. He was playing for Royals on the week uh, on the Saturday, I think, and then he was playing for Queanbeyan Blues on the Sunday, like playing club rugby league. Yeah. And then between that, he was like working security. He was pulling beers at King O'Malley. He was hairdressing. He was hairdressing. Yeah. And he was doing like, you know, odd jobs like labouring and stuff. And then obviously the, the form that he was in with the Queanbeyan team in the, Canberra, in, the, in the Raiders Cup, they must have been like, oh, this guy's actually quite good. Always go to the hairdresser with a shit haircut because he doesn't that's cut it. his own hair. Yes. <laughs> but that's like, so he played two games in 2014. And they got, he played fullback and they lost both of those. But he starts 2015 pretty good, but you go from like, yeah, you found Rapana from nowhere, and we all know what Rapana was like from what, like 2016 to 2018? Yeah. Best Just winger in the fantastic. For three years. Yep. Like, Only rated a score 20 tries in consecutive seasons. Well, there you go. And that, you know, that's one of the way when they started looking outside their net. And this that's is a. Cr- that's issue. crazy when you consider the caliber of those and the number of points those Raiders teams scored yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah, Mullins never did it. Ned Drew never did it. 
Yeah, but that's like you start looking in a wider net, you can start fighting gems, and it's a problem I have with a lot of NRL teams is that kind of recruitment. But uh, anyway, they go that year, they have 10 wins, and they start bouncing back. And then the 2016 off-season, they still start changing things. It's when they bring in Aiden Caesar, Elliot Whitehead, and then the other ones, not so big, but Adam Clydesdale, Jeff Lima, Zach Santo, Joe Tarpanay, and Cato Audio from, from PNG. RIP. God rest but his soul. they let... And this is what they were quite good at. They let Shillington... This is when they started just letting players go. Like, mm. in the past, Shillington, they wouldn't let him go. We have to keep you... We'll they would have you said, yeah. we'll, give you a, we'll give you a cut price deal, we'll give you, give you another year. And he would have played 10 games and then been like, oh, why am I not getting any games? And it would have brought the culture within the team down because he would have just been complaining. But it's sometimes in those things, as you say, Mitch... You've just got to cut and run. We let we let Campisi go halfway through 2015. Yeah. Yeah. We let him go to England and we paid out part of his contract. Yeah. And that would have been, if you went back to, say, 2010, that would have been unimaginable, the idea that we were going to get rid of Campisi. We gave him a bloody five, six, five or six-year contract, I think, after he'd done his knee. I was going to so, say, yeah. you, you would have probably want to, wanted to have given his surgeon a five or six-year contract <laughs> at that stage as well. Yeah, you were fiercely loyal, but that's it. You, so you sent Shillington to the Titans, and he played 11 more games and his career was over. Yeah. But that was really the start, for me, of the Raiders then. Also, not only were they looking for different things when they were recruiting, but they weren't afraid of losing players either. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, had, they had many times over the last couple of years when a player's gone to, said to Canberra, oh, pay me X, and the Canberra have gone, okay, if you can go get X... Off you go. Yeah. You know, and, and that happened, you know, they, they did try and get Junior Paulo hard and it happened with Junior when they left him. Lost him. Great player going well now, but yeah. Canberra don't give a shit. Yeah. Happened with Shannon Boyd, they don't give a shit. Just happened with John Bateman. That's a tough one to cop, but that's what the, the culture they built down there is. It's like, the same with Cotter as well this week. Yeah, exactly. But that's it. this is what we'll pay you. If you can get more than that, go ahead. Yeah. And that's how you build the, the, a competitive and winning culture, in my opinion, anyway. And like when Canberra used to do what they used to do, which is resign everybody. It's mm. not what Brisbane are doing now. And I sit there envious as a Brisbane fan of bloody Canberra's recruitment strategy. But, like, yeah, they started putting a line in the sand and just started making smart signings. Like, as you said, Whitehead, as we, as we mentioned, all the bloody British people in the world, they keep and signing them, and it keeps bloody working. And the other one that um, I think you might have skipped over is that towards the end of the 2015 season is when we picked up Joey Lua. I did skip over that because again, mid-season pickup, but that was a and fantastic pickup. It was in the end, and it was like it was a real chancy one as well because like he was absolutely unwanted at the Knights, and he came here and he was terrible at the back end of that 2015 season. He was the the Joey Leilua that Warren Smith thinks he is. Yes, um, and <laughs> and like at that point, I was like, oh geez, who's this guy? But that, his 2016 16 season. Like, it was one of the best um, seasons of any centre. It has... Think. that 2016 was the season that featured the probably the best pass I've ever seen in a rugby league game. That yeah. that flick pass against the Tigers. So, so in that... When when he went to camp with Canberra, Joey Lelua did. Me and Nick Campton barely, barely, so rarely disagree on rugby league, but we had Joey Lelua arguments. I was like, mate, you've, now you've got a gem. He's going to come good, whatever. He's like, no, nah, mm. mate, this guy's coming off the goddamn bench. <laughs> which yeah. he did do in his first game. <laughs> And he was go- he was garbage. But he had that off season, as you said, like Laipana was born out of like scraps. They went yeah. to the, they went to the they went to the dump, you know, and they put it together. And there's some shabby chic art now, you know. They're selling it for yeah. a few grand a few years later. Like, they put those two guys together. <laughs> they were the shit Power Rangers. They were, but, but, but like yeah, they, they formed the, you know the best right edge in the competition for three seasons mm. off of piece one that came from club rugby and one was the Newcastle Knights cast off. Yeah, like, and yeah, and not a good era to be coming off. The Knights cast off, as you say. Exactly, and it, like, and that's it. I didn't even mention that. That's they just kept making good signs like that. So 2016, we all, you know, we got to remember this season. It's like Canberra caught a light. Yeah. Like, 
This was like this was lightning in a bottle. Stuff. Is this one of the be- your best seasons as a fa- like favorite seasons as a fan, uh, Dave? Because yeah, for me, it's a neutral. It is, one of my it is my favorite season as a fan, and like I started going games in '96, so I just missed the, the the really good stuff before that. But like it, it was the first time in a long time you could go to a game and think we're going to win this one. It was the first time in a long time that uh, like you'd win game after game playing like insanely fun footy. Um, and, like, there was a game down in Canberra uh, against Melbourne um, uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, Melbourne were going great guns, and in the first set of the game, the Raiders throw the ball wide, um, big long run down the sideline by Leilua, passes it back, back to Leilua, and they score. Like, length of the seat, length of the field try in the first set. Like, teams don't do that to Melbourne. It doesn't happen, but the Raiders are just like, fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> they hadn't lost outside of the origin period since round six, the, the storm that year, and they lost to you guys in round 23, and it was like convincing. Mm. Yeah. You, you won 10 games in a row in the back end of that season. Also, the, t- the same team, they went to Golden Point twice with that 2016 Knights. Yeah. <laughs> but that, as oh you said... Oh, God, that Golden Point game. You won, you won more games that year than you won last year when you made the grand final, but that was also like when you beat Melbourne, you know, anyone, you had a couple of good wins in that run. But it's kind of like the, the, in, in 2015 when the Broncos stomped South. When you yeah. beat Melbourne, I was like, this this Canberra team, this is like, the, they're the, a legit contender. The week after, we went to play the Sharks, and the Sharks were on a 15-game winning streak, I think. Yeah, and you thumped them. And we thumped them. Yeah. 30 to 14, you thumped them. And yeah, that was like, oh, wow, they're doing this. And then you beat Para and you thumped Manly, and you put, then you ha- obviously we all know the game, but Dale's referring to, you put 50 on the Tigers in round 26, and yeah. everything you did touched to gold, and turned to gold. And that was like, that, that year was like, I really thought, you know, finally we're gonna have a different team rise up and, and win the competition. And it was a yeah. different team that it was it was Cronulla, but, but you hit that finals and Edric Lee ruined everyone's life. <laughs> but it wasn't even just Edric Lee. Oof. Like it's it's the the like if you're a Raiders fan, you're not allowed to have nice things. Like yeah. we we go into the first week of the finals against the Sharks, we're up twelve nil, everything's going well. You know, they get a try back and then Hodjo does his ankle. Yeah. If, he, if yeah. he if he doesn't, I think the Raiders probably win that game. Then in the, the next week, uh, Blake Austin breaks his hand at training. Both of them ended up playing the next week. Yes. Both of them were well underdone. Yeah. And Austin played that game in effectively a cast, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then and then in the prelim, both uh, Leilua and Croker both did their hammies yep. early in the game. Yep. They were up there with the 05 Tigers and the 01 Eels for me as like teams I didn't support that I had to watch. Yeah, but like they were must-watch footy. The O the O one Eels is a really good comparison, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah, for, for a lot of reasons. But basically, like you meant, they were they were they were the team you had to watch everywhere. And this and was uh, towards the back of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Dave, was this when they started getting primetime free to wear games again for the first time in forever? They, I remember they had a few. Yeah, they had a yeah. few. They had a few more, and I think I think we were given more the, the following year. Um, much to Channel 9's detriment. Um, <laughs> but um, we were given given more the following year. And, and it wasn't just that they were scoring sick tries. They were scoring sick tries and, like, like Leipana were, like, chest bumping and, and feeding... so much fun. Actually yeah. feeding the, like, their opposition players. Because that game against Melbourne, Joey just got mad. Yeah. And he scored another try later in that game and just leant over a bloke and gave it to him both barrels. Yes. But I just want to touch on one thing, too, before we move forward with the, with the Raiders' seasons, but... This is why people are wrong when they think retaining and rebuilding are part of rugby league. Reloading is what good teams do. Yes. You would think in your head, you'd think 2016 Raiders, it's the same team as now. Yeah. It's not. Like, in this pre- the first week of the finals, though, they lost to the Sharks by two points. So Jack White started at fullback. Edric Lee was on the left wing. Joe Lua and Rapana on the right. Croker's the only guy who remains in that spot today. He's in yeah. the centres. The yeah. halves are Sam Williams and Aiden Caesar. Sam Williams is, is the reserve grade half, and we know Caesar's gone. 
The front row, Paulo and Boyd, neither are there. Hodgson's the nine, it's fair enough. Back row, Papali, Whitehead, Soliola. Well, Papali's like 30 kilos heavier and the best prop in the world now. Yeah. is mm. not a big part of what they do. Then the bench, Luke Bateman and Clay Priest started a finals game. It's a bench middle combination. Yeah. Clay Priest Tapanay played like 30 games. And Kurt Baptiste. Like that team is like five people in the same spots as what we're seeing right What's now. What's Kurt Baptiste up to? Nothing. Uh, saving the roosters <laughs> from Jake Friend. Okay. You listen to their idiot fan base. Great. But uh, yeah, that, like that's what good teams do. They mm. kept a couple of core players together. They've reloaded, and you're just thinking, yet, oh man, Canberra been good for five years. Like, yeah, they yeah. have, but it's entirely different roster, pretty much over that period that stayed good. They've got the couple of core guys. The rest of it's changed. And it was really 2017 that, I mean. Given what happened in 2017, were you shocked at all with how you guys bounced back again in 2018 and, and beyond? Well, 2018 was pretty bad as well. Um, but after after 2016, like, like I remember listening to you guys, buddy, on the podcast doing your uh, who's going to win the comp thing. Sorry for that. Oh, yeah, these bloody idiots <laughs> over here in the media. <laughs> <laughs> you picked them to win the comp, and I think that's, you did. Now, for those playing at home, that's fingers Sorry. pointed not at me. <laughs> Did you, where did you pick them to finish, champ? I, you definitely had them top four. It was like second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I didn't pick them to make the grand final. I remember that. And and like it was just crushing. Yeah. Like like, and that was like both the 2017 and 2018 seasons were the ones well, where I don't know why I said 2018 year before. I meant to say 2019. Yeah. But no, I, you're block, right. I can't say that number without triggering you yeah. into saying what. And and that's also the only off season without a great recruit in it for the Raiders. Yeah. In 2017, they bring in Jordan Turner. Oh, I lied. Dunamis Louie after last week's <laughs> performance. Great recruit. Uh, Makatoa comes from the Bulldogs. Scott Sorensen, Brent Naden, who obviously is doing well now, and Dave Taylor. But that wasn't really. It's the only off season the last uh, year. Not seeing any issues here. Yeah, I, I say that's a brilliant. Recruitment yeah, there's recruitment. List. There's stars all over that. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's not one of the first off season they didn't pick up one of their guys. Uh, really, do you remember that you know? Coltrane flick pass in Golden Point, Mitchell? Because I'd say he was worth every yes. cent. <laughs> and I was also down. It was actually the first time I met Dave. I was down in Canberra for a game there where Dave Taylor was kicking field goals in the warm up. Still, even post his resurgence. God, that's so <laughs> good. Still kicking field goals in the warm up. I loved it. <laughs> But like those two years, 2017, 20, 2018, were the ones where we had that many games where we lost by like four points or less. And it just happened again and again and again. And that was, was that was during the period where any time I'd come over to Mitch's house, there was like a 50-50 chance Nick Campton would be sitting in a dark corner <laughs> saying nothing. <laughs> oh, yes. hey, Mitch, where's Camper? Oh, he's in the corner. Oh, good. Oh, again? Okay. <laughs> what about like, this time? Was was it? Oh no! I think it was twenty sixteen. Was the, was the white the intercept ba- one? The Bathurst but the, the, game. The, the Bathurst game where we were yeah, up by yeah. we were up by ten points with three minutes left. Yep. And I think I think like the the uh, with that three minutes left, Kotrick scored a try that was not given. Yes. And and then yeah, they 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 went the length of the field it, twice. It's just incredible because like this happened to my team once in two thousand and twelve, mm. and then after that we bounced back and did it to the like did it back to them later in the year. So it yeah. kind of evened out anyway. And it happened to me once, and I was like furious for weeks about it. Yeah. I can't imagine how you guys even got through this season, given that, like, obviously they weren't all to the level of that Bathurst game, but yeah. this shit happened to you guys. I don't know how many times over those couple of years. Week after week. We were up 16 nil at halftime at, in, um, at Suncorp. And the Raiders never were like that up at Suncorp. And we were like, oh, yeah, we're back, we're back. And it's just like, it, it, it's that hole that as soon as one little thing went against them, yeah. it's absolutely dropped their bundle. Well, I was at a, ga- well, I was at a game with Campo last year, and it was, it was before you went on the run and were like really good, but you were still good. It was against mm. the Dragons at Wollongong. Yep. And you were up like 38 to 4 or something, and the Dragons scored a try and then got a penalty straight after the try, and he was like worried. And I'm like, mm. Campo, you're up by 30 points with eight minutes of, like, shut up. 
Yeah. <laughs> he was genuinely like terrified that you're yeah. going to lose the game. That, and that's, that I wouldn't guess, he be? Yeah. I, I guess that's born out of just like that's how many called, times you had these ridiculous losses. That's called trauma, Bungard. Yeah, it's it trauma. I, it's, the point that you make about like the 2017 and 2018, obviously 11 and 13 and 10 and 14, both of those years you had significantly positive differentials. Yep. Like, as you say, I think there were about maybe six games you might have lost by less than four points yeah. over those two seasons. I think there was a game in that in one of those seasons to help you different. I think you beat South about 60-0 at ANZ and Leipana just, well, just took the yeah. absolute piss. Yeah. Th- that was 2016. Was that, 2016? God, that was so good. Yeah. Fuck, that was terrible. Soliola outran Reynolds over 40 metres. sure oh did. <laughs> but, like, the, the... And, like, coming off the back of those two seasons, like, late 2018 you would not have found many Raiders fans that were happy that we extended Ricky's contract. Mm. I remember it being a big deal at the time. Mm. And like people were a little bit surprised. And I mean, it goes back to what you were saying before about like, I don't know if he even survives the first like couple... Of, I don't even know if he survives the honeymoon period if he's not Ricky Stewart. Yeah. I mean, Ricky Stewart is Cambridge dad at this point. Exactly. But yeah. that's the thing, right? Like, if he'd been any other coach after those first couple of seasons, I don't even know if he would have been kept on... I, wa- even I get, wonder get if to 2016 and beyond. Not just the fact that it's Ricky Stewart, but there weren't a hell of a lot of kind of contenders for head coaching gigs at that point. I don't think because how many how many like decent first grade coaches would have been available in 2018? I, don't know. I feel like that's always a fallacy that fans buy into. That. Yeah. we don't know who the we don't know who the assistants are. So we always yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Who, and it who, just happens every year. Who was Michael McGuire? Who was Trent Robinson? No, you're right. They've all gone. Who's Adam O'Brien? And even to a, to a degree, that first season at South, who was Seabold? Like it's it's yeah. not it's not turned out the way. But yes. like, who is Anthony Seabold? <laughs> <laughs> not sure who that is. Yes. Don't know this that is man. The Raiders podcast. Uh, day, <laughs> Mitchell, he's the man that's on your refrigerator to help you through the hard times. All right, we're capable of losing five of our next ten. Don't you worry, we're very capable of doing that. I'm glad you printed that out. Sorry, we're losing five of our next nine when people listen to this. So, <laughs> so four of our next nine, we wouldn't have won one of them. <laughs> yeah, Math um, is my good thing. <laughs> math on, don't is, you do math for a living? Thing. Yeah, it is. He stat read good. Excel, Excel does math for my living. <laughs> it's true. It does. It does. But yeah, then of course, after those couple of down years, you guys bounce back in 2019 and, and nearly nearly win it all. And and the best thing about that, like so like in... Oh God, I'm trying to remember, I think it was in 2017, uh, Nick Campman came down to Canberra for the World Cup. And was it 2017, the World Cup? Anyway. I believe the, yeah, World, yeah. Cup was, the World Cup was 2017. It was because yeah. the semi, I, yeah, cause I got my, the semi-final was on France, the same night of France my played, party, France played Lebanon in Canberra, yeah, I believe. And, and like we, we met up um, when he came down, and, you know, we were yarning at the pub. And, and like it was one of those things where like we were talking about, are they ever going to make a grand final type stuff. And then four and weeks later, we finished yarning. <laughs> and, and and I said something like, um, I, I don't even care about winning like a grand final, making a grand final. I just want to be a team that like can finish fourth and halfway through the season, you're not like looking at how many games are left and um, and like who, like Doing what do you need to win? <laughs> oh, okay, you can discount the Melbourne game. We're not going to win that. And you've win... You'd win like your third game of the year in round fourteen, and you'd yeah. mathematically convince yourself that you yeah. can still make the eight. And now, but now Melbourne fans are looking at the uh, Raiders drawing, discounting the Raiders game. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to win that one. <laughs> and Kebo said something to me: the Raiders are never going to be that team. They're always going to be ride or die. They're going to win games thirty to twenty-eight, etc. The, the big thing about twenty nineteen was that the Raiders were a different team, an absolutely they different team. Now. Yeah. Well, the big like they made good signings that offseason. Not a lot, but Nickel Clockstad and John Bateman. And I know, I know Bateman's leaving. You know, mm. But those are two of the probably the two best signings of last season, and, and yeah. Clockstad's probably one of the best signings of the decade. I know I sound like I'm a hot takey saying that, but he re-signed after that season for like no money. 
Yeah. yeah. If like 300k a year, just he likes being there. It's like you can get your fullback to play that level for 300k a year. You're stoked. Yeah. Like it, it's one of the greatest signings, you know, in the you know the last I said last decade. But as you said, Dave, like the culture again. I'm using that word too much, but. No, the philosophy changed. I'll say this. Yeah. On the field, philosophy changed last year at the Raiders that yeah. no longer were you winning 30-28. to 28. Mm. You would happily win 16-14. And yeah. I know yeah. it's hard for a Raiders yeah. fan to trust you can hold teams out like that, but they could but and they I, did. I, I, and think the, I think the prelim is the best example of that. I mean, you won that game on the back of your defence. Like, South had yeah. about 20 minutes camped on the Canberra try line in that second half. And yeah. I remember and even score. watching that as a, a second-team Raiders fan and being like, yeah, so they're going to probably concede like three tries here. And yeah. then... They didn't. The the only try that they conceded after that was it like literally the last play. Yeah, like eight seventy eight minutes played. So. When yeah. when Clockstay got um, sent to the bin, yeah, every, like myself and everyone out just wilted. Yeah, I remember Campo being like, "Well, it's been fun. Yeah, at least I'm here for it." But like one of the big things that like when uh, the the very first game of 2019 was up in um up in uh, Gold Coast, mm. and and we were up twenty nil. And there was about uh, five minutes to go in the game, and we kick a field goal. Now we didn't need to kick that field goal, but it was just like something different about that team. Yeah. That like previously, part of the reason why they had so many close losses is they'd be up by six points with five minutes to go, and would push for the try, and wouldn't set up for that field goal and consolidate that. Yep. And but they Exa- the- exactly like the uh, exactly like the twenty eleven game. They would yeah. go and try and try and win it in a blaze of glory, as opposed to safe and secure. And and with that single point, but as, like as you say, they they seemed mature, yeah, like a more mature approach to, the, to the, winning. The Sharks game last year is another great example of that. With the three, and since kicking three field goals is unheard of. Yeah. I mean, that was the best field goals. <laughs> that was was that that was Gal's last game at yeah. Shark it was Gal's Park? last Shark Park game as well. <laughs> Malto Bene, funny Chef stuff. Kiss. That's what but yeah, it's it's and yeah. The, I mean, obviously, uh, most of those English signings have worked out fantastically. And sort of, how are you? How are you finding George Williams so far? It seems like he's, I mean, he's settled in brilliant. He's been one of the best halfbacks so far this year. I think there's a there's a there's a lot to go with with George Williams. Like there, there's there's a bunch of stuff that like sort of the best halfbacks do that he doesn't. Mm. But it, it's just like what I like is just like other English backs that have come to Australia. Like just they either try and play like an Australian player. Or they just get completely panicked. Yeah, and and he's just like, oh, the way that I played in England is that like I just ran at big guys and went past them, and like until that stops working, I'm going to do it. Well, that's it. And I think we touched on there, Dave. Is something I really like about him is that the hardest thing to get a half to do is take the line on ten times a game, yeah. knowing if they're going to get whacked or not. You know, a lot of guys coming to first grade who you know they've got a pretty decent kicking game, can pass the ball or whatever, but a lot of them are afraid of going to that line and taking men yeah. on or getting whacked. And are afraid in defense. And while Williams' defense isn't great yet, he's not a, not essentially he's not afraid of contact. That's for nah. damn sure. Yeah, he's got that core in him. I feel like he can figure out some of the other stuff. His kicking's all right. I do think, and I think he's a better player than Caesar. I do think the Raiders are missing Caesar's ability to pass the ball long. Yeah. He's really good at switching the trap direction and switching traffic. And very often last year, some good plays you'd score over and some Caesar throwing it back behind the ruck to White and going, you know, you, you have it, Jack. Yeah. But doesn't mean Williams is a better player or a better for the team. Just something that's a bit different about them. And I do think Williams has been a really good signing. And, in, and considering the the lack of talent in the halfback position across the league currently, he can have those efficiencies in his game and still be one of the best ones. Which is you know 
another great signing by the Raiders who was just sitting. He's literally right there and no one else did it again. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, these Raiders, they keep signing these really good English players. How do they keep working out that How, they're good? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so they've already okay, they've already played for England. <laughs> Shit. How do we how do we, how do we figure this out? How do we, how do we look at the English team and then and then pick the good ones? All right. But so it's, if it's, only, if only some of those games were televised. Yeah. yeah. But it was risky that that what Ricky did by going and getting Hodgson. Partic- and very risky. I'd say this. I'd say the Williams one is the riskiest, particularly because of how well Aiden Caesar played. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. I know, yeah and 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 if and if the if the Raiders like did like you know. It, like, it was weird, one of those things where we went and got Williams before Caesar sort of had his own little bit of a resurgence at the end of yeah. last year. Yeah, that was and that was pretty bold considering that like the Caesar deal was obviously probably going to get done for him to go overseas. Yeah, but there were those, as you say, there were people at the end of last year specifically being like, Do you, "Is this the right idea? Like, why are we letting this guy go?" And then you kind of see why they let him go, and you're like, "Well, because he just George Williams guy's quite good." Because if, if if we never signed Williams and Caesar stuck around and we gave him another contract, I would have been happy. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really a house money move, really. If if As long as Williams goes well, which you'd assume he would be, you know, the best centre in... Well, or the best half in, in the English. But like, with, with the English signings being risky, like, if Hodgson doesn't work out, we probably don't go back to that well. 100%. And, and yeah. that's, like, you guys took that gamble and yeah. it worked out perfectly. And you gambled on a guy who, like, he wasn't a locked-in... English representative at that point. Mm. He wasn't like, you know, some of the other guys when they've come here, like John Bateman was known as one of the best players in England when yeah. he came here. Hodgson and Whitehead weren't those guys. Well, Whitehead, like if you go back and look at his stats at Bradford, I think he scored 22 tries in one season yeah. playing playing the second row. But he's come here and he's not that guy. No, he's not. He's a, he's a tough, gritty second rower who makes those 1% plays and picks up that loose ball. So he's shown that like not only like, like you'd think picking up a, a forward from England that's a rampant try scorer they'd probably come over here, try and do the same thing and fall apart. But he came here and he's just like a smart footballer. That's it, mate. And Bateman's kind of similar. Bateman was a confusing player because in England he had played centre, back row and lock. And if you, you know, you kind of think the NRL, if he comes here and he hasn't got a best position, you know, if he's an average centre or whatever, where's he going to play? He's like, oh no, he's just one of the best back rowers in the world, it turns out. Yeah, (laughs) and he's just like the most, like one of the most confident footballers I've ever watched. Not only would he like do little, little kicks in play that would work or other things like that. Like if you watch Bateman defend, that like he almost always lets his guy get on the outside of him, yeah, and then it pulls him down. Yeah, I, I absolutely love watching him play, and it, and it kind of sucks that this me- this circus around his career this year is. This is my lasting memory of John Bateman most likely be off the field because he's not been on the field. I think I, I don't like the guy anymore. I, I, yeah, I no. honestly don't like him, and I, I hate that I. I don't like him. I, I don't like him either because <laughs> I, I, I love him on the field, but I, the whole circus this year, and, and I even said it at the time, I like. Fans will listen to play. I don't know what players have to do to pay players. Fans ought to listen to them. Yeah, the manager was obviously getting him a deal made elsewhere, mm. and he was denying it. But I hate the cowardly move of denying it and running at the media and taking. He wants the free points when he was doing it anyway, and he got yeah. the free points. But like, no, mate. Like James Hooper was right. We all hate to admit it, but those guys were right about you. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like, they were. And you're leaving, and it, and it does suck that you know he's going to leave with what maybe 30 games played for the Raiders. Yeah, and and just like even now after he has signed to go elsewhere, you'll still see him on Twitter like, like giving it to people, giving it to people like that, and and like trying to drum up this. Oh, I'm a raider. I don't think it's like no, you're not. You're not anymore. You're not. Mm. You're going back to whence you came, and we, do we get the transfer fee back? No, no. I know it's not your money, Dave. They're out of your pocket, but it's still like, man, come on, that club. Really they showed and they showed out for yeah, him. Not, yeah. even, not even a great deal he went back for, and then he's like, oh, "Actually, I'm going back for my daughter." It's like, man, yeah. if you said that. If you said that, yeah, I, I, no I, would care. I yeah. And the raiders. You, that's Sorry. ridiculous because like. Yeah, your daughter doesn't live in Bankstown, as far as I'm aware, and that's where and, you try to get a better deal. The other deal thing from. is, if he seriously 
cared about Cameron. The Raiders would have moved heaven and earth yep. to get his daughter and his mum over here. Yeah. Like, like they, they would have done that. Mm. Yeah, anyway, 100%. Um, it's, it's frustrating. Before and we wrap this episode up, can we get Dave to talk a little bit about the grand final for him? Help the 29. I know it's tough and you don't want to talk about yeah. like the prelim bunga, but like uh, for, for Canvas fans, it almost if feels you, like a lot of you guys have like existential talk about the prelim a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> you can do that if you also talk about the grand final. Sure. I, I don't like the prelim being talked about. That's like fine. if you, you don't get your dessert, you eat <laughs> yeah, your vegetables. Yes. Yeah. We've got food, we've got food at home. I, I would say like all I say is the, the prelim is the most fun night of my life. The grand final, despite all, is second because like that that day. So like drove up on the day, um, staying in the city. The walk from the hotel to Central, the, like the like the centre of Sydney was green. There was people all over the streets walking around. Every pub you walked past, someone would be up the milk, all that kind of stuff. Every- it was just Campo everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Campo was in every pub in Sydney. It was just like... He's sprinting around the block, it, catch it, it the next one. It's probably that grand final and the Cowboys in 2017, but probably not to the same extent, where the whole, the whole neutral fan base was so the, on the side of one team. The only other one that I can think of was Parramatta in 2009. Oh yeah, it's another one. Because yeah. like I went to that grand final in 2009 and yeah. obviously Parramatta, you know, they're, they're the real premiers here. Yeah. Uh, but that, there would have been probably like 10,000 Storm fans and yeah. 75,000 Even with Parramatta, it's like you've at least got like Bulldogs fans who hate them and yeah. of fans of other random Sydney clubs that hate yeah. Parramatta. But, but as you say, like 2017... But- and but then that wasn't really the same because like they I mean everyone knew the storm were going to win by a million points like they and they did and they did but like yeah last year was so unique in that mm. it was a this team could bloody do it and b everyone was behind them like yeah. Canberra and Canberra were like I I hate to put it this simply but like they were the meme team last year yeah like they were taking the piss playing good footy defending but they also had like. They had Batemans and the Whiteheads and the Hodgsons. They had that kind of f- f- international flair. They had the, pl- you know, they had Leipana. They had all. They had potential Jared Croker redemption story. It was, they were the people's team, and I mean, in some ways, they still are. But like last year was the most people's teamy people's team. Yeah, and there's something that sort of Canberra fans do, which is like, uh, like when you win one game early in the season, we're going to win the comp, boys. We're going to win the comp. That's sort of like, like that's like. You don't uh, sort of take something seriously in case it doesn't happen. So yeah. you just go sort of like, "Oh yeah, we're going to win." So who cares? And like, so I think a lot of Canberra fans entered that grand final like, like we were all pretty sure we weren't going to win. It would just be there to have a lot, uh, have a fun time. And like mm. when when the Raiders or just before the Raiders ran out and like the the Viking clap was going on, like that was the loudest. Like most insane thing, like and like you guys were there. Yeah, it was incredible. Like that was unreal, and like the Raiders get a lot of shit for the Viking Club. Well, we stole it from Iceland and all that kind of shit. Can you like every other team would love to have a moment, yeah, yeah. like that moment. Yeah, you know what but, you'd love to have be the grand follow with Dave. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Have you like with Bugard. Yeah. Have you dealt? No. You you have seen your team win a grand final? Uh, not yeah. in person, yeah, but you I've can seen have them. Your win. Goddamn Viking Club. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the the point that you make about the Viking clap, like, it was, like, this was, it, the closest thing that I can, like, uh, compare it to would be, like, Wigan going to Wembley. Like, this was Canberra's Wembley. Yeah, that's a good shout. Mm. It's and like they, the, they, little, Man City. the little team yeah. that could. And I know that Canberra aren't necessarily the little team. Like, they obviously have a vociferous fan base and they have the Viking clap and everybody has a Raiders jersey now because, like, they were cool in the 90s. But, like, this was, this was Canberra's Wembley. Yeah, and to and see that many people and that much noise and that much hype, like teams, teams 
everywhere in Australia would kill for that. But like something that was nice about the night is like we all know what then happened in the game. Like like and it's that sort of like Canberra's not allowed to have nice things. Like we didn't lose the game because of the six again thing. Like absolutely not. No. Didn't help. It was the trainer. Not fun. And the, yeah, the, the trainer thing too. Like how often does that ever happen? It doesn't happen, but it happened that night. Yeah. Um, but the, the nice thing then was that even though I don't think he deserved it, Jack White and getting the, the um, Clive Churchill afterwards, it was after that like crushing feeling of it, st- standing around to just, you know, I, just, I was just wanting to stick around to hear Croker's uh, little speech. But like when they called out Jack White and like, like that was maybe the, like, the hardest I yelled all night, like because it was just like, I don't know, like even if it was like tokenistic, because of the, the the way that the Raiders were that year, like it still just felt good, and it still just felt like that little bit of recognition that the the Raiders just like seemed to not get. Yeah, and and I do think I will say as a neutral, I've been to a lot of grand finals, and that was the best atmosphere out of any grand final I've been to because it was the first, probably the first time I've gone to a game like that. Everyone who wasn't a Roosters fan was behind the Raiders yeah. in the mm-hmm. game, and it, because you know I've been I've been to Broncos versus Cowboys, for example, or Broncos versus Storm. There's Enough Broncos fans that if all the neutrals jump on the other one, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. that was it was like it was like seventy five percent Raiders fans when they were yell- when they were reading out the team names at the start. When every because they'd like alternating by position, uh, mm. like Clockstar then Tedesco. Every Roosters player that was that was um, called out, the Raiders fans were drowning out the the Roosters fans with boos. Yeah. And like I was in the middle of the stadium, so it wasn't like I was sitting in the Raiders end. I just heard more of the Raiders end. Yeah, I heard the exact same the thing same. in yeah, the middle yeah. of the stadium. Like, wow, this is like a Raiders crowd, and it was. Yeah. It is the definitely the best grand final atmosphere I've been at at that stadium. I've been at better atmosphere games because it's not that goddamn stadium, but that is the best atmosphere I've been to at this stadium. And you know, and I guess that's the good thing we're getting touching on here. And what Dave said is like. Rugby league means something to Canberra. It just does. Yeah. Yeah. This team means it in Canberra. And they don't have enough representation on a national stage in many areas of Australia, even though they're the bloody governments from there. But it means something. And that day, even though you're lost, every Raiders fan I speak to says it's one of the best days it's, of their life. And you get yeah. why it means something the, to you guys. The energy in that place, because I, I, I agree with you, and I, my, I saw my own team win a grand final there, and this game was still sort of like, had even more energy than that game did. Mm. And But the only game I've been to at that venue that, had more electricity was the 2005 Socceroos qualifier. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that this is even close to that is just mm. the highest compliment I can give and to like, a game. Because and like, like I I didn't know, like heading heading into it, I didn't know how I was going to react if and when we lost. When we, when Tedesco scored and then when it finished, like I didn't, like that wasn't the most emotional point it was in the game. The most emotional point in the game was when, when Whiten scored, I teared up. Because mm. it like, it, it's just like the, the, the highs of that and that like the guy that's been with the club for forever... Um, that had like the most improbable season of of anyone for a long time. Um, he like, was so bad there. at 5'8 when he got tried there earlier in his career. So but, bad. And like, that was so wrong. If, if I had like a way back machine for my Twitter DMs the, between me and Campo, <laughs> when it was like, as it became clearer and clearer that he was going to play 5'8, we were just like, Ricky's done for. <laughs> this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This is, this is the end of it, yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of chats before that about how dumb it was. Like, yeah. I'm glad that most of them are not mm. on the record, so that's good. <laughs> And the, the other good thing then was after the after the game and you're walking out of the stadium, like you, you might expect that like the team that won, you're going to have a lot of dickheads like having a go at the team that lost. But because Raiders fans just in general took it so well, I think like the Roosters fans couldn't bring themselves to rub it in because the Raiders fans were just having a good time or, yeah. at, or at least not trying to be like, ah, oh, you only won because of the six again or whatever. Like, I didn't see anyone talking about that stuff. That was it, me. <laughs> neutral. It, it was though, like when, when we all went back to, after the prelim, and I, I hate to bring this up, 
bunger. But like after the prelim, they, even when we all went back to the pub in Canberra, like there, there wasn't until much later in the night, and I was gone by that point. But there was so little animosity. Mm. Even like set, like Raiders fans weren't giving it to Souths fans when we walked out of the stadium. Yeah, like, no, no one, no one was a kind of no. Early. There were there was very little. Um, kind of animosity from Raiders fans or gloating from Raiders fans Which being dickheads. Want. But that's like, that's the kind of thing that the as long as I had been going to Raiders fans when I lived there and every time I go to Raiders games now, that's the one thing that I take away is that generally speaking, polite is the wrong word, but like they know that like it, a lot of people still view Canberra as a country town. And in a lot of ways it is. A lot of people that come from there and fans that come from there, like, you know, making the grand final was a party. Yeah. Like, it really was. I, was, look, I mean, I was sitting next to you, but, like, obviously, I was the only... Basically, me and Coleman were the only South fans there in yeah. like the sea of green where we were sitting. Like one guy gave me a little hair tussle when Papali scored, but that was about it. Everyone else... It was... Everyone was... It was quite a... It was a very and jovial, like, I walked. Atmosphere. I walked out with the two of you guys, and there were yeah. people there being like, you know, bad luck next year. Whereas you counter that with... After the grand final, I'm walking out and I'm seeing all these Gronk Roosters fans who didn't even stick around for the trophy presentation, just giving it to Canberra fans. Mm. It's just like, what's wrong with you? I don't understand. Like, I've never ever in my life understood the sports fan who mm. takes more joy from like rubbing in, rubbing it into the team they just beat rather yeah. than just celebrating their own success. It was the last thing in my mind in 2014 was to go and, you know, heckle Bulldogs fans or like... Yeah. The last thing in my mind when Leeds got promoted two days ago was to like heckle West Brom fans. You know what I mean? Like, there's not well, there's found one. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, I just wanted to bring up that Leeds United are back in the Premier League. Um, yeah, that's but, for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next but, week. But and Canberra fans, I think, have the right mindset when it comes to that sort of thing. And it's just sort of like, yeah, we we, we it was a celebration for you, even though yeah. it didn't even though it didn't turn out the yeah. way you guys wanted it to. It was still very much something that you guys should and and are proud of. Yeah, and like just maybe like wrap this up, but um, in the week after the grand final, so I was like, I live quite close to one of the Raiders clubs in Canberra, and so like I, I was over there, and maybe it was a Thursday or Friday, and so I'm standing in line to grab a beer, and I turn around, and standing behind me is Josh Papali and Dinamis Louis. And, so I'm and assuming Papali was carrying the beers and Louis <laughs> definitely wasn't. <laughs> Louis was paying and, and Papali was getting the tray. Well, but I, I turned around to them and I said, I'll, I'll buy you guys a beer. Do you want a beer? And, and Josh goes, oh, no, I've, I've, I think I've had enough this week. And, and, then, and I was going to go, oh, okay, and just turn around. But I, just, I was like, I never quite want to like say what you feel to someone because it feels yeah. like, that, like proposed <laughs> <laughs> and anyway now we're married so uh, congratulations to us but I just turned back dear Josh I think our friendship would be a real home run <laughs> but after, after I grabbed my beer I just turned around and said to both of them like I like, just need you guys to know that Canberra is so proud of you Aww. and like honestly like the most touching moment of like like one of the most touching moments like Josh Papali just goes we're proud of you and like oh. you went like, to the tattoo parlor, it's <laughs> <laughs> your whole back. Now. It's just, but like, like honestly, that's just the best, and that's what you get. Like at like a sort of place like Canberra, that it's almost a bit more like a community club. Mm. Like I see these guys out all the time. It's and like, maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing. But it's yeah, you almost, haven't grasped on them once. What you're saying. And maybe this is why all the English guys succeed there. But it's 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 kind of like being like a a a, a, prim, like a football club in England where like the. Mm. the that club is the identity of that town. And a rugby league club where yeah. they're not the biggest club. Like, a lot of those teams like Warrington and Widnes and Hull, like, they're not the biggest game in town. They're, they're, they're you know, they're a passionate fan base. But, like, Warrington, for example, like, they're, they're much 
They've got bigger teams. They've got Everton, Manchester. Yeah, like the sorry, teams no, in Manchester. I, I meant like soccer teams. No, 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 I know. But like, like it, being, a, being a rugby league player where like you'll be part of the community. Like people will see you out of the bakery. Like the, the Raiders are to Canberra what like Newcastle United are to Newcastle. What Leeds United are to Leeds or yeah. what. Uh, well, I can't say Liverpool or Everton because there's two of them. But, you know, it's mm. the same sort of principles though. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's just a shame that they couldn't win it last year. But I think everyone... Well, actually, how do you feel about what's going to happen for the rest of the year? Because obviously... After the Hodgson injury, I mean, mo- a lot of people just drew a line through the team, but they sort of bounced back in the best way possible on Thursday night. I, I don't think it's going to last. So one of the things is, like we were talking before about in those dog shit seasons where we'd beat Melbourne or beat, yeah. like in 2014. Beat, the Roosters beat, did make 27 errors as well. Beat <laughs> South or whatever. Like the, the Raiders are a team that have the ability to uh, size up against the team they're playing against. We're just as likely... I mean, we're playing South next week, but whoever we're playing the week after... Are we? Yeah. Shit, we're going to lose. We're just as likely to play against um, the Warriors mm. and have a bad one. And that, that happens when you've got and, seven and of op- your... And often pull defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, and that's what happens when you've got seven of your, your first 17 injured, including your best player. So, like... Look, coward prediction. Real prediction. When Brett Favre made his debut halfway through in round two, so seconds game of 1992 season, he took Dom, Dom Mikowski's uh, starting job as a quarterback. And then he can, sorry, started a record, I think it's 300 and something NFL games from then. 297 consecutive starts from then, 321 including playoffs. Tom Starling. <laughs> Tom Starling. <laughs> 321 consecutive starts can, from this game. Can, can Tom Starling's... Fir- can, can he find oh, a new job? He's taking it. Like, like, I hope there's a place back for you in Hull, mate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Josh Hodgson's going to be selling Wrangler jeans within <laughs> two years. I was going to say, can, 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 uh, can Starling, can, can Starling uh, complete, like, complete a triasis to himself? Does he that was, work? We'll see. We'll find out. What? He's going to find a way, mate. I tell you, he found a way on, on Thursday. I hope so. <laughs> Looking forward to the uh, to the Josh Stalin memes. But like, yeah, it seems like what what started as a season, and particularly after that Melbourne game in round three, where we killed them down there, it and it looked like God, we're going to take it all this year. I, I think at the moment, my feeling is our ceiling is sixth. Mate, and you'd be stoked with finals from here, you'd think, which to yeah, just because of who you lost, and again, that's just a good uh, a good show. That is that the club. beauty of rugby league. It's like if they they can make it to the finals and just the shit rolls their way for three weeks, then you know yeah. you never know what can happen. Um. But yeah, that was our sort of deep dive into the Canberra Raiders. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, Dave, is there anything you wanted to say about the Green Machine before we wrap this one up? No, I think it's that's pretty, all good. Pretty, pretty thorough. Can we mm. get a, a ceremonial Viking clap for the <laughs> God no. that's what all stand up? Well, I just want to say that uh, if you guys, I don't think they should, have they been showing on TV the when we're playing at home the uh, like virtual Viking clap. Yeah, I think, yeah. It's the biggest dog shit thing ever. Okay. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> Have you been blowing a horn in your living room watching the game? How do they not I'm, sell I'm horns? Horn type. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All Oof. right. Um, thank you all again for listening. Um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this sort of deep dive into the Raiders. Something a little bit different for you guys. But um, yeah, I, I, thought it, I, thought this was, I thought um, I thought it was very interesting. Dave, and you brought a unique perspective into a club that, frankly, still, even with their achievements last year, doesn't really get the recognition that they should. Here, here. All right. Say goodbye, Dale. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. Say goodbye, Dave. Catch you, mate. And it's goodbye from me. Just before I let you guys all go, a little bit of an epilogue here. In our Raiders excitement and uh, excitement in general, having the great Dave on the podcast, we obviously forgot a couple of things that we're supposed to do. Firstly, you might have noticed the mix is a little better this week and we've abused our fantastic fan base again with uh, Benno Wallace stepping up and providing a nice little mixer for us with four mic inputs while we still wait for our other mixers to get delivered. 
with the coronavirus outbreak continuing, none have seen to be in the country. And secondly, forgot to shout out the great people on Patreon when Dave was one of those great people. So anyway, if you want to get behind the boys on Patreon, you go patreon.com forward slash Rookies. And shout outs for those who are Boom Rookie tier and above Patreons or patrons. That's Jack Snape, Thor Laycock, Jace G, Belmore Forever, Debbie Fisher, Tom Hardy, Alex Sergicomi, Bert Andrews, Jason, Wayne Ritchie, Simo Alley, Ty, Warwick Ahern, Roxanne Clark, Michael Murray, Carlo Tyson, Maddie McPee, Chris Abnell, Dan Cullinane, and Dave. And that's goodbye, Mitchell, again from me.